Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care proudly presents Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast series, a podcast devised to help emerging and experienced therapy leaders learn more about various topics relevant to outpatient therapy services. So welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast series. Podcast devised to help emerging experienced therapy leaders learn more about various topics relevant to outpatient therapy services. This is episode number four of the podcast series titled Managing COVID in the Outpatient Therapy Setting. Today, my two guests are Lindsay Nicholson, Vice President of Operations for Alliance Physical Therapy, and Kelly Marvel, Director of Human Resources for Alliance Physical Therapy. Welcome. Thanks, Richard. So to kick off, what I'd like to do for our guests is really have an introduction of yourselves. So Lindsay, would you be kind enough to start and introduce yourself to our listeners? Absolutely. As Richard said, I am a Vice President of Operations for Alliance Physical Therapy Partners. I am a physical therapist by trade and treated about five years in the clinic. I still treat today. I went to Grand Valley State University, graduated my Doctor of Physical Therapy, and then started my career in the Chicagoland area with HTI Physical Therapy. In September of 2019, I joined this amazing team at Alliance and have been here ever since, supporting our outpatient partners, mostly on the East Coast, but I do support Texas, Arizona, and New Mexico as well. I've been in various leadership roles over the past eight years in the outpatient therapy setting across a wide geography, and my passion is helping people and getting them better as well supporting the team that we have at Alliance and its outpatient partners. That's fantastic. Thank you. And Kelly. Sure. So as Richard mentioned, my name is Kelly Marvel and I'm the human resources director at Alliance Physical Therapy Partners. So after graduating from Grand Valley State University with a dual degree in management with an HR emphasis in marketing, I joined the organization known as Agility Health, and I was fortunate to uh, remain with the company as it transitioned into Alliance Physical Therapy. And I've been with the company now for coming up on nearly 12 years, and I currently oversee the HR, talent acquisition, and payroll functions for the company. Kelly, 12 years is uh, almost a life sentence in England, so congratulations. <laughs> For, for your tenure with uh, Alliance and Agility Health. Thank you. So to kick off, obviously, we want to, the, the podcast, as they say, is about managing COVID and really want to focus on the, the present and future impact of COVID. There's obviously been a lot of information, webinars, presentations, looking at the impact of COVID on therapy services in 2020. But really, you know, what's what's gone is gone. Uh, the past is the past. What Really what we want to look at is, is now and the future. How can we manage the ongoing situation, pandemic, and what do we believe are going to be the key challenges? To start, really, I'd like to ask Lindsay if she'd be so kind as to provide us with an overview of how COVID-19 is currently impacting the outpatient therapy services from the patient perspective. That's a great question. So as I'm sure with all of you, COVID-19 continues to impact our day-to-day -day function as a business. And that includes the outpatient physical therapy setting. Although much less so than in March and April of 2020, when we saw over a 50% reduction in our volumes. 
and there were so many unknowns. So I think patients have kind of, not just patients, but society in general has kind of become burnt out of COVID. It's been going on for 10 months now. And, you know, to be quite honest, patients are more comfortable coming into the clinic. Procedures and policies in place to make sure that we're screening every single patient. Our team is wearing masks, other PPE requirements as well. We're doing temperature checks on our staff. They're filling out a screening form each session that includes our team as well. And anyone who marks any of those symptoms are sent home. So we're trying to keep anyone who's COVID positive out of the clinic. And then of course, we're trying our best to abide by the social distancing as well. The team has been very diligent and continues to be so. To do so, we disinfect after every patient. We're cleaning high-touch high surface areas all the time. So I think with that and showing our patients that we're taking this seriously and that we have their health as our number one priority, they are more comfortable coming into the clinic. Fortunately, I think this is kind of going to become our new normal, especially for a while until vaccines are widely available to the general population. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that the fact that, that patients are more comfortable, society in the whole is more comfortable. There's certainly certainly a, a degree of COVID fatigue, isn't there? And, but what I find most uh, uh, interesting is the fact that COVID cases are obviously continuing to rise as a nation. Deaths continue to rise at a, at a rate really not seen in the past, but society and patients seem to be almost returning to a alternative normal and just perhaps continuing to their day-to-day functions and activities as they did before. But but certainly our, our volumes are down like everyone else's. So it's not not a return to the prior normal, is it? It's, it's kind of the new normal. Absolutely. I mean, our volume is still less than pre-COVID, but again, not as much as it was in March and April. And yes. I think more of that is related to patients who are actually testing positive to for COVID or coming in close contact with someone who has tested positive and they have to quarantine, which then results in a loss of volume at the clinic. With that, we try to convert those to telehealth if the patient is feeling up to it, because as you know, there's a wide variety of symptoms. Some people don't feel much at all. And then some people, as you know, are unfortunately in the hospital on ventilators fighting for their life. You know, we've had the staff challenges as well. staff test positive and then that ultimately affects our ability to take care of our patients while maintaining distancing. Yeah, and talking about staff and employees, I'd love to know from Kelly, you know, an HR perspective, um, what's the current situation as pertains to COVID-19 and how it's impacting employees currently? Yeah, you know, so I think from aside from the obvious, you know, physical and mental toll that it's taking, you know, on our staff and and really the the world probably as a whole, you know, I think as Lindsay mentioned, you know, our staff are still navigating challenges, you know, such as either testing positive for COVID themselves or their loved ones testing positive and all the nuances, you know, that go with that, you know, but then there's other staff that are facing the challenges of having to pick up that slack, you know, in the clinic, so to speak, you know, in the instance that we have multiple staff members, you know, that are out of, you know, a single clinic at any given time, um, you know, and other staff are continuing to need time off or to have some flexibility in their schedules because their, you know, their kids were switched to virtual learning or or some of those other changes in daycare or, or school care. So, you know, all of these things really make managing, you know, the clinic schedule more challenging. And, you know, we're certainly continuing to rely on our 
our staff um, to continue to be team players and to be flexible with each other, you know, as we really try, strive to balance, you know, the, the continuum of care and, and our day-to-day life activities as well. Yeah, you bring up the, the, the subject of essentially family, and, and I think this is a really good point to, to emphasize is the fact that we focus on our employees directly because they're the ones that turn up to work, obviously. But, but really the ability for an employee to function uh, at a high level is really dependent upon, uh, the, the safety, uh, of, of the family. Uh, and their family. And when I use the term safety, I use it in a kind of a, uh, a, a fairly general sense. Um, you know, obviously, they, the family needs to be safe and, and they need to have the appropriate resources in order to allow the employee to, to continue to work. Absolutely. Moving on, uh, Kelly, what type of issues, concerns, questions specific to COVID are you currently addressing as a leader of HR? So you know, what, what are employees reaching out about? What, what are their anxieties and concerns? Yeah, so, you know, we're still certainly getting our fair share of just those general questions, you know, related to the topics that I just mentioned, you know, including how to best navigate various quarantine situations, you know, how to coordinate the usage of paid time off and possible unemployment benefits and, and things of those nature. But, you know, those are slowly becoming fewer um, over time. You know, we've been able to implement pretty clear policies and guidance, you know, on how to navigate most of those general scenarios. But I would say now, you know, we are experiencing a a shift in those questions and our department is really now focused um, on questions and concerns, you know, regarding specifically the COVID vaccine. You know, as you can imagine, the vaccine itself, you know, as well as the administration of the vaccine is a pretty hot topic um, that's being discussed at a variety of HR and legal levels. You know, and with the initial delay of any formal guidance from the EEOC, and without any relevant case law to consider, you know, the question about whether to make the vaccine mandatory or not, you know, was really a question that was at the forefront of a lot of discussion that's coming up now. You know, and as you can imagine, you know, our staff are are no different than anyone else in this country, right? And they all have varying thoughts in regards as to whether to get the vaccine or not. You know, some are quite willing, you know, and see it more of kind of their moral obligation in order to protect those around them. And then others have very degrees of hesitancy and question whether the vaccine is safe and whether maybe the approval process was rushed or if that could have unforeseen health complications, you know, and then we just have some that are dead set against it for for other reasons. So, you know, we're definitely seeing a, a trend in questions kind of, again, relating more to the, the vaccine and, and kind of what this means for them. And we're also seeing a a fair amount of uptick in questions, you know, just regarding about the supply of the COVID vaccine and how limited it is in a lot of our states. And, you know, staff are reaching out about how they can go about, you know, obtaining that vaccine and and how to coordinate that care. So it's really been a, a shift from just kind of those general questions and concerns really centered more about the vaccine topic at the moment. That's interesting. Lindsay, before we talk specifically about the vaccine and and how we are managing it as an entity uh, specific to outpatient therapy setting, uh, I'd obviously like to know 
what you think the likely trends are in Q1 and Q2 of this year as it pertains to referrals and staffing. Because you know, at the moment we have two vaccines that are approved and likely more coming in the, in, in the months to come. But, but certainly the number of people who are vaccinated is still low. So I believe it's still going to impact Q1 and Q2. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. We are gonna be in for a ride Q1 and Q2. We're going to see challenges in regards to referrals and then therefore visit volumes until vaccines are widely available to the to the general population. And based on the information that we've been hearing and what I've been reading from our local health departments and hospitals, they're hoping to have that vaccine available in early spring, but you know, who knows? So as COVID cases continue to increase, as you alluded to earlier, Richard, and hospitals are at or near their peak capacity, elective surgeries are going to continue to be put on hold. And as you know, with outpatient therapy, we treat a lot of post-op patients. So if those surgeries aren't happening, obviously we're not going to have those referrals coming into the clinic converted to, to visits for us. So as long as our referrals and visit volumes are challenged, we're going to have to continue to adjust our staffing levels on a weekly basis to make sure our cost doesn't exceed our revenue so that we can be sustainable in the future. Hopefully, again, we won't face the same situation as March and April in 2019, where we had to furlough a significant amount of our team and reduce pays. But we will be in for a ride Q1 and Q2, in my opinion. Yeah, it's reassuring to know that we won't go back to the to the early days where visit volumes dropped over 50% for most organizations, but certainly still going to be a roller coaster ride, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. Agile EMR is a comprehensive all-in-one electronic medical records solution created by physical therapists for physical therapists. Features include everything you need to run your physical therapy practice in one place. To schedule a demonstration of Agile EMR, visit our website at www.agiletherapyemr.com. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast. If we move on to to discuss vaccinations, Kelly, from a therapy clinic owners thinking about mandating COVID vaccination for its employees, can you walk me through your thoughts on whether vaccination should be mandated and the issues one needs to be aware of when making that decision? Sure. You know, so I guess from an HR and even legal perspective, I mean, there is lots to consider here, you know, and quite honestly, this could probably be a a separate discussion, you know, in and of itself, you know, but in general, you know, I think it's, it's recommended for employers to offer vaccinations to employees on a voluntary basis. However, employers in most states may be able to mandate a COVID-19 vaccine plan as long as the employer complies with the Americans with Disabilities Act and Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. You know, that guidance really indicates that an employer must consider reasonable accommodations for their employees with disabilities and those employees whose religious beliefs conflict with actually receiving a vaccine. So to take that a, a little bit further, you know, specifically Title I of the Americans with Disabilities Act requires employers to provide reasonable accommodation to qualified applicants and employees with a disability unless the employer can demonstrate that doing so would create an undue hardship 
to the employer or pose a direct threat to the safety of the employee or others in the workplace. So to continue to on the, the technical path, you know, employers also have an obligation to accommodate an employee's sincerely held religious belief under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act unless the accommodation creates, again, an undue hardship. And, you know, a sincerely held religious belief can include an employee's religious-based objective to vaccinations. You know, so it should be noted that, you know, Title VII requires employers to accommodate only those religious beliefs that are sincerely held, um, again, which could almost be a, another separate um, topic of discussion. But, you know, as a general best practice, I would say that because the definition of religion is so broad and it protects beliefs and practices um, with which the employer may be unfamiliar with, um, you know, the employer should ordinarily assume that an employee's request for a religious accommodation is based on a sincerely held belief. If, however, the employer has an objective basis for questioning either the religious nature or the sincerity of a particular belief, um, the employer would be justified in seeking additional supporting information. So, you know, and upon learning of, you know, the need for a possible accommodation, you know, employees employers rather really need to be prepared to engage in that interactive process, you know, to make sure that they can offer those accommodations if need be. So, you know, that was a very detailed kind of legal overview of what employers need to consider if you are evaluating going that route. But I would say also that you really need to conduct an honest evaluation of your company's bandwidth and resources in which to be able to efficiently and consistently track compliance to that policy, as well as thoroughly be able to document that interactive process. And I would say the final piece would be that you would also need to be prepared to see it through, so to speak. So, you know, if one of your key performers, you know, refuses to get that vaccine, you know, mandatory implies that your policy will be and should be consistently enforced. So, you know, you just want to make sure that have you planned for a reasonable accommodation for that employee or are you prepared for their possible departure if you, you know, continue to potentially press that that issue. So, you know, we're certainly all permitted to, to have our own perspectives, you know, in that regard. But uh, for many people, um, you know, this is definitely a, a topic of, of great personal importance. Absolutely. Thank you. I know that as an organization, Alliance Physical Therapy, we've really battled with this question of mandatory vaccination. Well, I've battled with as as the, the leader of the organization and deciding whether whether it should be voluntary or, or mandatory, given the fact that we are caring for for patients and the the moral question as it pertains to, to making sure that we, we do not uh, harm the patients in in any manner. Uh, however, we, you know, we we took the decision, didn't we, that we would make it a voluntary, um, uh, make it voluntary to employees whether they decided or they, they didn't decide to to take the vaccine. And and I've been really pleasantly surprised in the initial stages by the proportion of employees that actually have decided to to receive the vaccine. I would say the majority of employees have actually decided. Is that correct, Kenny? Yes. Yep. Um, I would I would agree that um, it's been pretty well received um, thus far from the employee perspective. Yeah. So, you know, Lindsay, 
What have we done as an organization? What has Alliance done to help educate employees and encourage them to get vaccinated? Because obviously we're, we're doing things that are, are helpful because based on the proportion of our employees that, that have received at least their first vaccination. So I'd love to get your insight. Yeah, so we have a um, vaccine task force that was created and they meet on a weekly basis um, to, to figure out how best to promote this and to get information out to our employees because we all know there's been limited information and guidance on how to not only get the vaccine but pertaining just to the vaccine in general. So I think the most important thing as a leadership team that we've set the example and have promoted the vaccine and focused on health and safety of each individual and patient. So, you know, Richard is, is was just on our social media outlets, your vaccination card. So that kind of sets the tone for, for the organization. We have also aided our partners in reaching out to their local health departments to get accurate information about the administration of the vaccine. We do have partners who have already got their first dose, some are on their second dose, and some are still waiting to get their plan from their local health departments. So in, in various states all over the board where we're at. The HR team with Kelly's lead is sending out a weekly email um, just with frequently asked questions and information pertaining to the vaccine. And we're also putting that on our internet page so that it's readily available to our team. Yeah, and the other thing that I I was uh, that we that we've done or Alliance has done that I think has been surprisingly it was, it's been well received. I didn't expect the response in which I did was was making sure that the employees knew that if there was any out of pocket cost of having the injection, that Alliance was you know prepared and willing and and certainly able to to reimburse that cost. Uh, and I, I, I found it interesting that that was mentioned a couple of times by employees as, as really uh, supportive of our employees. And the, the other thing that I understand that we're going to be doing is some sort of, of monthly uh, drawing um, to, to promote vaccinations. Kelly, do you have any information on that? Yeah, yep. So, you know, we're definitely um, exploring the idea of that incentive program, you know, further, I think a, a financial incentive is a pretty universal preference for a lot of folks out there. Um, and I think it can actually be very impactful that, you know, it kind of brings a sense of, of maybe not challenge, but just kind of a, a sense of camaraderie, maybe that, you know, reminds folks that this is a, um, you know, it reaches beyond just a, a company held um, you know, concern and it just kind of encourages that collaboration. And, you know, if there's a, a carrot out there that's, you know, appealing enough to those folks, I, I think it just kind of brings a, a different level of, of interest um, to getting the vaccine. Yeah, I think I think there's lots of ways, isn't there, as an organization that the leadership and human resources can encourage employees without obviously mandating. And I, I think the more things that we do, the more we show the, or the more we encourage, I, I think it will uh, allay fears, anxieties of employees and, and the more that will get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. By having employees vaccinated, obviously from an operational perspective, that's advantageous. What do you, what are the clear benefits of making sure that our clinicians and those that are supporting our clinicians in the clinics are um, what are the benefits of having them vaccinated? What are we seeing from an operational perspective? 
Yeah, so first and foremost, to me, the biggest benefit is the health and safety of our employees, their families, and our patients. So knowing that clinicians are vaccinated and, you know, reduced rate or cannot pass the virus onto a patient is a huge sigh of relief because in a lot of our clinics, we work with a very, an old population who are, you know, considered higher risk. So if we, if our clinicians take that step and, and get the vaccine, you know, knowing that they're keeping those patients safe, that's, that's a huge, just a huge win. We've been diligent with our PPE and clinic cleaning procedures to maintain patient safety and comfort in the clinic, but this really will take it a step further. And additionally, the vaccination should help to prevent a shutdown of an entire clinic due to all staff being out at once, which is a game changer. Kelly, we both know, Richard, you as well, that we've had multiple clinics within our organization who have had, if not more than 80%, almost their entire staff out with COVID, which really alters our ability to take care of our patients and give them the care that they need. So it's going to allow us to not only continue to provide the best care to our patients, but also to meet our financial goals. Yeah, absolutely. It reduces the anxiety, doesn't it? But the employees reduces the anxiety of, of patients who think they may, may, uh, be subjected to the COVID virus through our employees. And then also just keeping the doors open, isn't it? It's just the, the practical component of, of continuing to operate. We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. Most orthotic manufacturers take a one-shape-fits-all approach to solving lower body pain and symptoms. They focus on arch support for temporary pain relief, which can end up leading to inefficiencies and injuries. That's where BioCorrect is different. More than just an insert, BioCorrect is a fully customizable foot orthotic system engineered to address and treat biomechanical imbalances of the entire body. And we're backed by more than 25 years of experience. To learn more, visit us at biocorrect.com. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast. If we think about the future, from an operational perspective, Lindsay, what do you think will be the main challenges in the short term, uh, for instance, the next three to six months, as it pertains to managing through the continued COVID pandemic? So I think from an operational perspective, we're going to see more of what we've seen these last, you know, months, October to December. I think we're going to continue to be challenged the, the next three to six months. Not so much with patients and, and staff fearing the virus and staying away from the clinics, but with staff and patients contracting COVID, especially as we talk about, you know, COVID fatigue and maybe not maintaining distancing and being compliant with PPE as we have been in the past. And then also with, you know, staff and patients possibly having to quarantine. So with our staff out, it becomes challenging to see the visits that that person had scheduled while maintaining distancing. And, you know, when you have staff out, a lot of times you're gonna lose some of those visits. So it will impact our business. With patients being out due to COVID or being in contact with someone for quarantine, our visit volumes also decline. We have continued to try to promote our telehealth services in those instances when the patient and the staff feel feel well enough to participate. But as you can imagine, we're not capturing 100% of those visits. So again, until the vaccine is readily available, 
we're going to see more of what we've seen the last three to six months. Yeah, that's great to to understand that. So, as we said earlier, you know, continued pressures, bit of a roller coaster ride, and obviously, clin in clinic visit volume is is slightly depressed and will continue to be depressed based on on people continuing to contract the the virus that who have people who haven't been vaccinated, and even just from the mechanics of not you know lower elective surgeries perhaps or or physician visits re that reduce. Uh, referral volumes but on the flip side though we can certainly i believe capture some of those visits through uh, virtual care do you have any any information as it pertains to or do, what are your what's your thinking as it pertains to virtual care over perhaps the the next six months yeah i would expect that our clinicians are going to see an uptick in in our telehealth virtual care volume um, is a great way for patients to continue their care if they have to quarantine or maybe they're not comfortable coming in the clinic. But I would ex expect that that volume would start to increase. At the beginning of the pandemic, we um, quickly put out a solid telehealth platform and we saw you know, a decent number of visits. And then as the pandemic went on, it, that volume started to decrease. And I would expect we'll start to see um, an uptick again. Yeah, there seems to be a continued necessity, doesn't there, for a, a, a virtual telehealth platform to continue care. Uh, and it will be interesting to see whether even as the vaccination uh, rates improve and, and perhaps the, the importance of telehealth as a, as a medium for providing care for safety reasons subsides, I think the the convenience factor actually will stick. So I think there'll be a number of patients and society as a whole that that will perceive telehealth in a different way and, and understand that it, it is here to stay and it is an alternative medium, not necessarily all the time, but certainly for proportion of their care. And I think therapy will benefit from that, yes? Absolutely. I think of, you know, when I was treating in the Chicago area and a lot of my patients, you know, they commuted downtown from um, from Andersonville, which isn't that far away, but Chicago traffic, it makes it far away. And, you know, they'd go on business trips or they'd be here and there and they could only come like once every other week because of their travel schedule. Those are the perfect patients to see them in clinic when they're around, but to continue their care while they're out of state, we can, you know, pop on the computer, pop on your phone, and you can have that visit and not have to drag therapy out. You can continue to progress. But Richard, one thing that just kind of came to mind, I think as these months go on, we're going to be challenged a little bit as far as buy-in to PPE and other safety procedures, not only with some of our patients getting the vaccine and thinking that you know they shouldn't continue to wear PPE, but also, again, just the fatigue. So I can see you know, it's going to be harder to to maintain those those standards in our clinic with our patients. Yeah, that's a, a really good point. So if we pivot towards employees or back to to employees, Kelly, how can we support employees during the next few months to help ensure their safety, but also minimize disruption to the business? 
Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the, the, the obvious answers, right, is continuing to promote and connect employees to the vaccine, um, certainly as it becomes available. But, you know, I think also just some generally best practices would be for us to continue to educate ourselves and our staff, you know, and remain current on all the directives and guidance that are made available to us. You know, as I'm sure most of us are aware, those, those directives and the guidance seem to change almost daily, making sure that we stay on top of, of the most up-to-date information. And, you know, I also think it's important that we continue to offer a flexible scheduling to our staff, you know, whenever possible. Really continue to encourage, you know, cross-training amongst your teams and fostering that team player attitude, you know, as well as how we just talked about promoting those, those telehealth services, perhaps as an alternate, um, you know, source of care. And, you know, I would also promote um, any wellness or employee assistance programs or resources may be available. You know, as we kind of touched on just briefly earlier, I think there there's a lot of our, our folks that are struggling, you know, to maintain both our physical and our mental health during these challenging times. And, you know, I think it's very important that we continue to check in with each other and support one another, you know, as best we can. Yes, what we often overlook, isn't it? We, we, we focus on the, the physical impact of COVID, but certainly there's definitely a mental health component and even a financial health component that I'm sure many employees have, uh, are battling with at the current time as a direct result of the anxieties caused and continue to cause. So what I have been impressed with as an organization is level of communication and the, the continued communication provided to our employees about every facet of code and, and how we're trying to navigate through it and reassuring employees and the positivity that we, we, we have through those communications. Do you agree with that is key to managing or the continued management? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. If we look further ahead, you know, after the current wave of infections have settled, which they will, um, might take a little while, but they will settle and a, and a significant proportion of the population has been vaccinated. And you're looking at the crystal ball. Lindsay, how do you think the, the business will have been changed? Uh, will there be any fundamental changes to what or how we provide therapy, do you think? Yeah, so life as we know it has changed forever, well, whether or not we want to accept that or not due to, due to this pandemic. But, you know, it doesn't mean that all of these changes are necessarily bad or negative. COVID-19 has, you know, as you have said many times to us, Richard, in our, our meetings, has been a catalyst for change and, you know, with that rapid change. And we have all adapted. We're all here. We've, we've made it through it. Um, we've figured out ways to provide care using different methods, which we've already touched on telehealth. But, you know, society was kind of already pushing the medical world in a more virtual experience already. And I think COVID just helped to speed that up. I know for Alliance, it, it for sure helped us to speed up and get that platform up and running. While there's always going to be um, a need for in-clinic visits as some patients need that manual hands-on component, um, virtual care visits are likely going to increase just out of um, convenience. So I think the way in which we treat will likely change as well. Uh, we're gonna be more forced to focus on payer type and reimbursement just to ensure that we are um, viable and sustainable in the future. We'll continue the conversation after a short music break and advertisement. The world around us is changing at a rapid pace, and so is our preference for how, where, and when we choose healthcare. 
That's where Agile Virtual Care answers the call. Agile Virtual Care is a comprehensive telehealth solution revolutionizing physical therapy by making PT convenient, safe, and accessible across the entire country. For providers and employers looking to offer employees different options for preventative and continual care, Agile Virtual Physical Therapy delivers the comfort and convenience that patients want and the quality care they deserve from experienced licensed therapists. Welcome back to Agile and Me, a physical therapy leadership podcast. To wrap up the conversation as time's ticking by, we've all had plenty of time to, to really think about the COVID pandemic uh, when we've been quarantining with our families. When you look back, this is a question for both of you, but we'll start with perhaps Kelly. When you, when you look back, what have you learned from the experience of leading through a, a life-changing major pandemic that hopefully will not be repeated within our careers? Oh, boy. Um, where to begin? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that we have enough time to, to cover everything that I have learned uh, personally, but I would say one of the key takeaways for me uh, was probably the importance of grace. Um, you know, COVID has impacted so many of us in so many ways, you know, and I've actually, I've heard it best described is that, you know, we are all in the same storm. We're not necessarily all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm, right? And, you know, these were and continue to be just uncharted waters. And many of us just got a crash course, you know, in topics that we never thought that we'd have to deal with, right? Such as navigating the unemployment system for the first time, having to make tough choices between our careers and remaining home to provide care to our kids, you know, the struggles of adjusting to e-learning and hybrid schedules for our kids, um, you know, just feeling isolated and removed from our families and friends and just kind of battling that decline in both our physical and mental health. You know, these are all struggles that we've never had to really face before. Um, you know, and we were and continue to be in a state of learning and continue to adjust to these new circumstances that we find ourselves in. And so I think extending that grace and compassion to one another has really been uh, one of the most important aspects. And I would say um, probably the, the other piece uh, to, to value for me was just kind of that general sense of appreciation. Um, you know, as we've, we've discussed, you know, this pandemic has really rocked us all to our core, um, you know, and it's disrupted our day-to-day lives as we know it. And, you know, many of us are always on the go and ultimately just kind of chasing that dollar, you know, but at the end of the day, none of those dollars really buy you any more time. So, you know, choosing to spend your time well, doing the things that you enjoy with the people that you love, I think is really important. And I think for me personally, just kind of being able to take a step back um, and really appreciating what matters most, um, I think has been the most impactful for me. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I've certainly changed the style of leadership, um, obviously, it's it's dependent upon the the events and the environment, uh, normally. But certainly, I, I've had a uh, I wouldn't say necessarily a paradigm shift, but I certainly flex significantly. And the other thing I would add to to that is uh, the sense of or the, the perspective of humility. I've certainly improved that skill uh, tremendously over the last 12 months. And, and I think it's important not to, to lose sight of uh, humility. Um, Lindsay, what, what have you learned from the experience of leading through a major, this major pandemic? 
Yeah, I, I echo everything, you know, that Kelly, Kelly and Richard, you as well have, have said. I think the biggest thing is not to take anything for granted, right? From being able to, to come to work, to earn a living, to support your family, like not, not everyone is fortunate enough right now to have that ability. So not to take anything for granted, including your health and your safety. Um, even to be able to treat a patient without, you know, wearing a mask and being able to see, you know, that patient's face is just a, such a different world right now. Um, you know, one of my clinics, they have pictures of themselves up on the wall because their patients haven't actually seen their face. And that kind of hit me, right? Things, things have changed, but we can't take a minute for granted because like Kelly said, we don't get any more time. We can't buy any more time. Um, I've learned a ton, but you know, I like to have control. I'm very OCD. And this pandemic has definitely taught me to roll with the punches that I, you know, as much as you plan, you might as well just throw your plan out the window because something else is going to happen and you're going to have to, you're going to have to pivot, but you know, it's okay because things always do work out. I used to stress over looking back now, the littlest things and it always worked out, but you know, why have that stress? And most of the time it works out for the better. Um, I've always, you know, managed and believed that supporting your team and doing the little things for them is how you, you know, retain em employees, especially those good ones and how you get them on board and drive initiatives forward and drive change. But, you know, as we navigated through COVID-19 and the hard conversations that we did have to have in terms of furlough and pay cut, you know, none of that is possible if you don't have trust and buy-in from your team. So those little things that you do on a daily basis, like sending a thank you note, just texting someone or calling a clinic to check in on them and see how they're doing, um, they go so far and it's really those little things. Um, I could go on and on, but those are the big things. Perfect. Well, I'd like to thank you both tremendously for being guests on the podcast today. Your knowledge, thoughts and insight are, are invaluable and hopefully our listeners have appreciated the, the insight you've provided and the information you provided to them. So thank you once again. I appreciate your time and um, thank you listeners. This podcast was brought to you by Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care. For more information, please visit our websites, alliancepTP.com and agilevirtualcare.com. Make sure to follow us on social media and LinkedIn, where you can learn more about Alliance Physical Therapy Partners and Agile Virtual Care.